here this morning at Greenbelt. Uh, just one quick other little announcement that I want to add that uh, didn't get a chance to uh, get edited uh, into our announcements is this coming Thursday in our cafe at 630. Uh, we're going to have uh, Pastor Bashara uh, joining us. So if you're familiar with, uh, we kind of sent him off. Uh, he was causing way too much trouble here. So we sent him off to Lebanon to go train people over there. No, I'm just kidding. I love this guy. He's a dear brother of mine. And he is in Lebanon training up Arabic-speaking pastors and leaders who are then moving to Canada and starting Arabic-speaking um, Christian churches all across our country. It's amazing to see what God is doing uh, among the Muslim community here in Canada, and more and more are coming to Jesus and accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. So it's amazing. It's a huge missions field. It's amazing work that's going on. So if you'd like to hear more about the work that he's doing, uh, that's going to be happening 6.30 in the cafe this coming Thursday, and as incentive, Bashara is bringing real Lebanese food, not the fake Lebanese food, but that I've eaten in his home. Trust me, you want to come for that, but you, you need to let us know you're coming, so if you can email the office, just send that to office at greenbelt.church, let us know how many people are coming so we can make sure that we have enough food for you, and just get updates and hear how Bashara is doing, and we can be praying for him. Uh, so today we are in uh, week four of our four weeks called The Blessed Life. And we've been looking at different parts of the Bible and looking at our own lives because as Christians, we would all love to be a little bit more blessed. <laughs> we would just love to have maybe just a little bit more money <laughs> or a little bit more time or a little bit more health or a little bit more, um, well, how about, we call it this way. How about we just have less stress and problems in our lives? Wouldn't that be amazing? Hallelujah. Praise the be to God. Wouldn't it just be nice to have life where it just felt a little bit more simple and relaxed and less hectic? Right? And culture is pushing that same kind of message. That we want to be living lives of ease and of blessing and we want to remove all discomfort from our lives. So deep down, pretty much everybody wants to be more blessed. But Jesus has very interesting words about blessing, about receiving God's favor, about kind of walking within God's will. Jesus said that it is actually more blessed to give than to receive. And it's more blessed to give than to receive. But you and I, we have something called our flesh that loves to receive. How many of you love to receive? Show of hands. It's not just me. Have you ever read the book, The Five Love Languages? Okay, one of the, one of the love languages in there is gifts. There's a whole slew of human beings that feel the most loved when they receive a gift. Right? And it's natural. There's this thing in us that, oh, I just feel so loved. I feel so much better when I get. Jesus says you will be even more blessed, not by living a life of getting, but rather living a life of giving. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So for the past three weeks, we've been looking at this series. We started off in week one, and we, we saw how uh, that the key to the blessed life starts with a heart of generosity. That if you truly want to be living the blessed life that God has called you to, it starts with developing a heart for generosity. And we talked about our time and our money that first week. And then we made a shift. We focused for the last two weeks specifically on the topics of money. 
And we talked about it because Jesus talks about it. It was uncomfortable. It was awkward. And praise be to God, I've heard amazing stories about how God has worked in so many people's lives here in our church because of their heart of generosity. That there's just something incredible that happens when we can take our love of money and squish it and put it to death. And it's incredible what God does when that happens and we are broken free from that love and we truly make God our first love. And so we saw over those two weeks that we said that we will give God my first and my best so that God can bless the rest. And we talked about the tithe and how the tithe can grow us in our faith in God. And then last week we talked about how because God has blessed us with more, we will intentionally give more. Right? For those who God blesses more, more is expected of them in order to be used by God to bless the world and so that you can truly experience that joy that God has for you in how he's blessed you. So today we're going to make a shift. Not going to talk about money today. Today we're going to talk about time. Today we're going to talk about time, how you and I live our time. Now, because, again, Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive, none of us in any way whatsoever can receive more time than the 24 hours a day. It's just, unless a meteor kind of hits the planet and slows down the rotation, well, for the two people that will survive that event, okay, then maybe you'll get a few more hours in the day. But apart from that, it's not going to happen. There is no more time in your day. But how you and I use our time is huge. And the Bible has a lot to say about how you and I use our time, how we live a life of service, and how we develop a heart for service. So if you have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to open up to John chapter 13. If you have the church app, you can follow along that way. I'm going to warn you, though, if you use the, 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 the Bible in front of you, in the chair in front of you, if you're using that one, or if you're using the church app one, uh, what I'm going to read is not going to read anything like that pew Bible or what's, or what's in the church app, because I changed it last night. <laughs> I just, instead of using my preaching Bible, I decided to use my devotional Bible. And yes, I'm that big of a Bible nerd that I've got different Bibles to do different things. I've got a Bible for certain rooms of the house. I've got Bibles that I leave in my office. I have Bibles that I leave at home. I have Bibles that I have on my mobile device. I have my devotional Bible. I have my preaching Bible. The reason I have a preaching Bible is because the font is bigger and I'm going blind. Okay, so I like the bigger font. But this morning I wanted to read from my devotional Bible. So it's going to look radically different than everything else you're seeing. And in this story of John chap- in, that we see in John chapter 13, this is a very familiar, familiar story. If you have been in church for longer than a year, you have heard a sermon on this topic. You have heard about it in some kind of context. The danger of very familiar Bible stories is they become so familiar to us is that we forget why they're there. (laughs) Like these stories are not in the Bible just for story's sake. It's not just filler, right? God had a certain amount of pages that he needed in his book or the publisher wouldn't publish it. It's not how God worked, (laughs) right? It's not in there for filler. 
But it's in there because God wants to reveal truth about who he is and how he's called us to know him and follow him and serve. So in this build-up to this event, what's going on is Jesus is with his closest followers. And Jesus has been doing public ministry now for three years. He's been healing the sick. He's been raising the dead. He's been healing the blind, healing the deaf, healing the lame. He's been teaching people about the kingdom of God. And he's made a lot of followers. He's made a lot of enemies. He's also made a lot of people very indifferent to him. Because his teaching became too hard. (laughs) Or suddenly people were following Jesus for what they could get. (laughs) Jesus, just give us more food. Jesus, just give us more food. Jesus, just give us more bread. We just want bread, Jesus. Just give us more bread. And Jesus is doing miracles and he's feeding thousands of people. And people keep coming to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, just give, us mo- just give us something else. Give us more bread, Jesus. And finally, Jesus does like the ultimate mic drop. He says, you know what? I'm the bread. I'm the bread. What if all you get is Jesus and nothing but Jesus? And we saw the crowds took off. They left not interested because they weren't getting and then he turned to his disciples, and he goes to the disciples and says, what about you guys? Where Are you guys going to leave? And they're like, where else would we go? <laughs> You've got the bread of life. So we're going to stick it out. We're going to keep following you. And, but then what we see is with these disciples, but then they start arguing with each other. <laughs> and they keep arguing over who's the greatest. Look at the way I'm serving Jesus. Look at the way I'm doing this. Look at, the, look at what God's doing through me. Look how great I am. Look how much better at this I am than you. And Jesus has got to kind of slap these boys around a little bit. Because they're just not getting it. It's either about what I get or the prestige that I get from serving. And so this is what's going on. So Jesus is now with his closest disciples. He is about to be arrested and crucified. And he knows this is coming. And so let's read in John chapter 13 what's going on at this point, just before Jesus is about to die. I'm going to read uh, the whole chapter, verses, uh, not the whole chapter, verses 1 to 17. This is, go, this is what it says. So before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. And now he showed the disciples the full extent of his love. It was time for supper, and the devil had already enticed Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to carry out his plan to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel he had around him. When he came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now why I'm doing it, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. But Jesus replied, but if I don't wash you, you won't belong to me. So Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, a person person who has bathed all over 
does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you are clean, but that isn't true of everyone here. For Jesus knew who would betray him, and that's what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. Now, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again, and he sat down, and he asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because it's true. But since I, the Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. How true is it that the servant is not greater than the master, nor are messengers more important than the one who sends them. You know these things. Now do them. This is the path to blessing. Look real closely here at verse 17. You know these things. Now do them. That is the path of blessing. Jesus is doing something really amazing here in this story. And I think it's becoming increasingly difficult for us to understand the true extent of this story because um, we don't deal with slavery. We don't live in a culture where there's a class system of who is better than other people. We don't have that here in Canada, praise be to God. But in Jesus' day, they still had slavery. They still had a class system. They still categorized people on who is worthy and who is unworthy. And what would happen is when an important person would walk into another important person's home, the unimportant person would wash the feet of those important people. The slave would go to the master and remove the junk and the crud and the grime on these people's feet. Again, they lived in a probably very unsanitary type of environment. There was no uh, uh, running water. There's no plumbing. There are no... I always find it amazing that we are so blessed in this country. We have trucks and machines, and you've seen them with the big brushes, that clean our streets. Get your brain around that. We have trucks, paid people, who drive up and down our streets and clean the street. Okay, they didn't have that there. So you're walking around. Just imagine you're walking to the temple one Sunday or Saturday. You're walking to temple and everyone's bringing their sheets and their goats and their doves and all these animals to be sacrificed. And you're walking behind that. Thousands of them. They didn't have nice closed steel toe boots either. You had some sandals, maybe a little piece of leather at the bottom of your feet to protect them from the rocks. And you're walking behind a thousand sheep. Feet were nasty back then. They're disgusting. And the lowly person, the undeserving person, the slave, is the one who has to remove that junk and grime from the important people. And God Almighty 
the creator of heaven and earth, removes his clothing in an act of humility, covers himself in a towel, and kneels before sinful men and scrapes and washes the grime from their feet. The teacher, the Lord, submits himself to a position of slavery. Jesus is doing something absolutely mind-blowing here. Right? Jesus, at this point of his ministry, he knows he's about to die. So he could teach these men anything. Like It's kind of like if you knew you were about to die or if you knew you were about to be arrested, it's like, man, I've got one more night. I have one more night to make this ministry work. So I better settle the worship wars once and for all. Or, or I better make sure these guys have got some sound doctrine. Or I better make sure these guys are reading the King James because if the King James Bible is good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. Okay? Like, there's a lot of stuff that churches argue over that wouldn't it have been awesome if Jesus just explained that stuff in his final moments. And he didn't focus on that stuff. He focused on showing that you need to be a servant. You know these things. Now do them. The, that is the path of blessing. Jesus, and it says here at the beginning of the chapter, it says here in verse 1, now he showed the disciples the full extent of his love. Jesus is showing the full extent of his love for his disciples by serving them not for what he receives and not for the position of glory that he gets from being a servant right jesus here is separating the difference between knowing and doing he's kind of drawn a line in the sand there is a big difference between saying you know god you know the bible you know your theology there's a big difference between knowing and doing right and that's why here as a church our mission is knowing living and sharing jesus we do a lot of ministry here to help you know jesus that's why we kind of changed our grow um discipleship track so that we could help you better to know god to know jesus that's why we want everybody in a life group so you can be studying, you know, the topics that we cover on Sunday, get deeper into them during the week. We want you to know Jesus. But if it stops there, we are not on the path of blessing. It's about knowing and then living it. You know these things, so do it, right? And so this is what I want us to focus on for the remainder of our time here, is how are you and I living a life, a life of service? What is our viewpoint when it comes to service? This has been a topic that in my, oh, when did I become a Christian? I became a Christian in 1998. 
1998. So almost 20 years ago, I became a Christian. And God has done crazy stuff in my life when it comes to this topic of living a life of service. 16 years ago. Was it 16 years ago? No, 15 years ago, I bought this devotion Bible. It's falling apart. I've had to retape the covers onto it many times. And 15 years ago, I was reading the Bible, and I wrote down what I want my life purpose to be on the inside of the cover. If I'm only known for one thing when I die, I don't want to be known as a great preacher. I don't want to be known as a great husband, a great father, as a great pastor, as a great man. Um, I mean, if, if I'm known for those things, that's an added bonus. But for me, what I wrote down here is I wanted my life purpose, and I took it directly from John chapter 13, verse 15. I said, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I've done for you. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I've done for you. If I can get to the end of this life and go, wow, that guy, Kevin, he looked an awful lot like Jesus. That's the goal. It's the goal. It's not how big my house is, how successful my ministry was, how successful the church is, anything. If I can get to the end of this life and people say, wow, that guy looked an awful lot like Jesus. And I see here all over the place, Jesus serving and serving and serving, right? And this is what I have come to learn in 20 years of following Jesus. You will be the most blessed You will grow in your faith in Jesus by leaps and bounds, not by what you get from God. But rather, you will grow, you will become one of those super crazy Christians, not by anything you get, but rather by living a life of giving, of serving. That when you serve, God does something incredibly supernatural in changing our lives, right? And so service, like Jesus says, you know these things, now do them. This is the path of blessing, right? Serving leads to the path of blessing. That's our big idea today. Serving leads to the path of blessing. If you want to be more blessed, the path of blessing is service, is serving one another. Right? And again, because this story can be so um, familiar, we can miss some of the important things that are going on in here. just want to look quickly at two different things that are going on that I think we can see Jesus doing here when it comes to the topic of serving one another. Right? The first thing that I think is really key to look at is uh, the topic of awareness. Is of awareness. Right? Look at Jesus's Uh, Sorry, not Jesus, but look at Peter's response to what Jesus wants to do for him. Peter's gut reaction is, no way, no how, you are not washing my feet. Peter knows who he is, knows who Jesus is, and Peter knows who he is. (laughs) Peter has recognized that this is the living Christ, (laughs) and I am unworthy, (laughs) And so when the living God, the Messiah, chooses to make himself naked before you, put on a dirty towel, and scrub all the crud off of your feet as a sinner, Peter says, no way. No way. 
Because that's basically Peter being a good Jewish boy. Right? This view of God, that God is so holy, that God is so perfect, that God is so righteous, and I am so far away from him in my sin. There's an awareness going on. Peter is fully aware of who he is. But Jesus is fully aware of who he is as well. And Jesus is a God who loves, is a God who serves, is a God who is willing to die even for the worst of sinners, right? And so we see that model, that awareness, right? Jesus, and then Jesus says, Jesus didn't come to be served, right? They live in a culture where we serve God. The Roman culture was humanity was created to serve the gods, to offer sacrifices to the gods. And the true God, the maker of heaven and earth, he's not like that. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. And we have to let that awareness creep into our hearts. What is our heart for service? Right? Do we serve so that we can be built up before men? Do we serve so we can get this prestige? Do we serve so that we can get the good pats on the back? I, uh, sorry, I didn't go to this church. My, my brother down in Tennessee attended a church for a little while, and they had plaques on the back wall. And they, on the plaques, there was one plaque that was, it was the, it was the million-dollar plaque, and it had the names of the families of everyone who had donated over a million dollars to the ministry. And then they had the 500,000 to million plaque, and they had all these plaques in the back. And then they had pews, and they had um, gold plaques on the pews saying, okay, well, here is the row for the elders, and here is the row for the staff, and here is the row for our life group leaders. And here is the row for our fusion leader. So everyone knew how much they gave and what position of authority they held in the church. Jesus had words for churches like that. <laughs> okay? And it usually didn't end well. We got to be guarding our hearts if we understand that Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, if he is willing to lower himself to a position of slavery, how are we doing? How aware of God's mercy like that are we, of, are we aware of? Right? The second part, thing that we, have, we can see in this story, there's awareness, and the second is timing. I always love Jesus' timing. It just, it's just always perfect. It's like he's God and he knows what's going on. It's pretty incredible. Right? But Jesus has got this timing. Right? The disciples are arguing, you know, but who's the best? Who gets to sit at the right hand of God? Who, who is going to have a position of authority in the new heaven and the new earth? Right? And Jesus is sitting there going, in this most stressful time, you almost wonder, it's not in the text, but when they start hearing that Jesus is going to die, I wondered if, it's not in here, but I wonder if they started thinking, hey, I wonder if I'm going to take over this ministry. I wonder if I'm going to be the new top dog. I wonder if God's going to use me to be like this. It's not there. But I've had those thoughts in my own mind when I was the associate pastor at a big, large church. Wow, if Pastor Dan ever resigned, 
I'd be the top dog here. Hey, Pastor Dan, how you doing? Planning on retiring soon? <laughs> right? Jesus' timing, he shows up. And his timing is while they're arguing, while there's all this stress about his death coming, he shows them at that moment the most crucial thing that followers of Jesus need to know. It's not about what you get. It's not about what you get. Because you've already gotten Jesus. You've gotten Jesus. You've gotten a full relationship with God. You've had your sins completely forgiven and wiped clean. You have the greatest gift ever. Now, what are you going to do with that gift? Are you going to live a life of service? So Jesus' timing is so great in that moment. So we see that there's this awareness. We see that Jesus looks at this timing to teach his followers. So how do you and I grow our heart of service? How do we grow in this? And I'm going to look at three uh, different thoughts here from our text. And and I'm going to share a little bit just on the journey that God has brought me on over the last 20 years. I am not sharing this, please, as, as the expert or as the model to follow, as, oh, look at me how holy I am. I am a messed up, screwed up sinner, um, and God has done a lot of stuff in my life uh, to teach me this topic of service. And I'm going to share some of those stories, not in a boastful way, but hopefully with a lot of humility. And you go, oh my goodness, our pastor, he used to be like that? Yeah, I used to be like that. Okay, But three different thoughts from the text when it comes to developing our heart of service, growing our heart of service. The first point is this. I encourage you to write these down. Talk about them in your life group this week. First is this. If you don't learn to serve in secret, you won't serve in public. If you don't learn to serve in secret, you will not serve in public. Jesus didn't do this act of cleaning his disciples' feet at the temple. He didn't do that act of uh, washing feet in a crowd. He wasn't at, you know, it wasn't like the Sermon on the Mount where there's thousands of people watching. And he says, okay, we got thousands of people watching, boys. Everybody come up front. I'm going to wash your feet now so I can show this as an example to everybody about how holy I am, about how good I am. And look at this. This was an awesome sermon illustration. So I want as many people as possible to see this. This was done privately, intimately, because the heart of service is not about the recognition that you and I receive, right? In church life, there are are naturally positions um, and roles that naturally come with a lot of attention just because that's the nature of them, like this one, (laughs) okay? Okay. But scripture has a lot of warnings for people in those types of positions. And we need to treat these positions not with a air of arrogance or thou shalt not touch the Lord's anointed. But you step into these upfront ministries with a lot of humility because of what the Bible teaches. Right? But every other role that people fill in the church, we've got to guard our hearts Are we doing them for the public recognition? Because if you're not willing to serve in secret, God can't use you to serve in public. Jesus said this to his followers. 
Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. If the only reason you serve is to get the pat on the back, that's your reward. That's the reward. I'm convinced when I'm going to be in heaven, when I'm in the new heaven and the new earth, I believe that God is going to create. I'm not going to be an angel in the clouds with wings and a diaper and a harp. I don't believe that. It's not what the Bible teaches. And no one, I just got, you all got that visual now. So just take some SOS pads to your brain later on after the service. Okay. But God is going to create a new earth, a perfect, where there's no more sin, no more death, no more tears, no more suffering. And my job is going to be the toilet scrubber. And I'm convinced of it. You know why? Because every Sunday I get all these pats on the back. Oh, that's so good, pastor. That's so good, pastor. So good, pastor. Awesome. I thank you for that. Um, and it's great. But because I'm getting my reward now, I'm scrubbing toilets in heaven. And I'm cool with that. That's the best job. I'm assuming it's going to be a lot cleaner than the toilets now. Okay? If you're not willing to serve in secret, God can't use you in public. And I had to learn this the hard way. Because when I became a new Christian, I had certain gifts and talents and abilities. People came up to me and they said, wow, Kevin, you're, you're so good at public speaking. God's given you a gift in this. And I was like, okay, well, I've been doing this for 15 years before I ever knew God. So there's a natural ability that God gives. And so people are like, wow, Kevin, you're so good at this. 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 And you know what happened? I became arrogant. And the Bible actually tells us, don't take new Christians and put them in positions of leadership. Why? Because they'll become arrogant. (laughs) And I was put into positions of leadership because of my natural ability. And I had to learn the hard way. I had to let God kick me around. At one point, the, the senior pastor was resigning, and they were building a preaching team. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be on the preaching team. I'm going to be preaching once a month. I was all excited. And then the chair of the elders said, Kev, man, we love you, and we see God working in your life, and we want you to teach our kids' ministry. I was like, excuse me? What? Yeah, yeah, we want you. We think you'd be so good, and we want you to teach our kids. So you're going to serve every Sunday teaching the Bible, every Sunday. Not this once every six weeks thing. Every Sunday, you're going to be prepping little messages to teach the kids. And I'm like, do these guys think I'm a clown? They don't take my gift seriously? Don't they realize how good I am? God had to do a work. And you know what? Teaching that kids program was awesome. Kids terrify me. They do. Okay, kids are scary. I love mine. One or two others. That's about it. Like kids, like I'm like, if they were smarter, they could like just kill us all and take over the world. They really could. Um, So being in front of this room of like 80 of them, and I have the same attention span as they do, so this was just lose-lose. But God had to humble me. And it was, Kevin, I will never be able to use you publicly. If you're not willing to lower yourself to a position that you think is unworthy. And it was one of the greatest ministry experiences of my walk with Jesus. To get that beaten out of me the hard way. 
If you are unwilling to serve in secret, God cannot use you to serve in public. Okay? The second thing that we see from Jesus' example here is we see that Jesus sees people beyond where they are. Jesus sees people beyond where they are. Right? Jesus says in verse 12 to 14, says, Do you understand what I've done for you? Right? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for this is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. Right? Jesus is dealing with the infighting that's going on in this small little group. I always love it when people say, oh, I can't believe churches have fights and why churches disagree and why churches split. That's been church history since page one of the Bible when sin came into the world, (laughs) right? And Jesus is saying, okay, guys, you got to get this sorted out. You may not understand it fully today, but one day the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and then you'll understand it. You'll get it, that you should treat one another like the way I'm treating you right now. And then the disciples become those types of leaders. They weren't that type of leader while they were being served. Right? They weren't like that, but they became that. Jesus saw beyond where they were to where they could be. And for us, it's very easy for us to serve people that are like us. It's very easy to serve in ways that are simple and easy and comfortable. But there's nothing comfortable about taking off all of your clothes. Don't do that here. It's frowned upon. Okay? But there's nothing comfortable about taking off all of your clothes, picking up a dirty towel, and getting on your knees and scrubbing people's feet. There's nothing comfortable about that. Right? But that's what Jesus is doing. And he's doing it not because these are the best of the best or because it's simple. He's doing it because he is aware of what they're going to become. Right? And you and I, we have the opportunity in this world that we live in today to bring the mercy and the love and the joy of knowing Jesus to people who are very messy. Our world is messy. The sin and the confusion and the lies that our culture is believing, it has become so messy. It's so easy for us to just huddle and serve one another. Oh, I'll just volunteer in the cafe and I'll make coffee. Praise God for you. This is not a knock against you. You're my favorite people in this church because you're here before I am and you make sure I'm well caffeinated before I get up to this podium. Praise be to God for you. Right? But that's radically different than saying, hey, I'm going to go volunteer at the hospital and I'm going to change bed sheets for someone dying of HIV. Or I'm going to go volunteer over in this organization and I'm going to help care for people who have dealt with attempted suicide. Or I'm going to help these people who are struggling with mental health. Or I'm going to struggle, I'm going to work with these people or these people or these people. The world is messy, it's broken, but we need to open up our eyes to not where they are but what God may want to do with them. We need to be aware, see beyond where they are. God taught me this one in a crazy way. It was almost, I'm almost embarrassed to talk about this story. But uh, 11 years ago, 
I started volunteering at an organization that put on a day program for adults with severe intellectual and physical disabilities. And I'm going to be real blunt. The only reason I started volunteering at that organization is because it's where my wife worked. And I figured this is going to be a nice cushy way to spend three hours a week hanging out with my wife. It's going to be like date night, right? I don't have to organize date night anymore because I'm just going to go to where she works and we're going to hang out and we're going to put on little videos. We're going to sing Jesus loves you. This I know for the Bible tells you so. This is going to be the best. I don't have to really study really hard to prep these messages. I could just wing it. This is going to be the best three hours of my week. (laughs) I walked into there and it was a madhouse. And I'm not exaggerating. It was like, it was just so beyond anything that I have ever experienced before. And, but the love that these men and women, boys and girls had for Jesus was incredible. It was like, I would go there and I'm like, oh my goodness, why doesn't my church worship the way they do? Why is my church worried about what everyone thinks about them when they're worshiping? It's like, oh my goodness. And then I was into it and, and I was kind of going, well, you know, God can't really do anything here and I'm not really having any impact. I'm just going to keep doing it anyways because, you know, this, I considered that least of these ministry, right? When Jesus says serve and love on the least of these, I'm like, yay, I'm filling my Christian duty of serving the least of these. And I'm up there, up in front, and there's about 30-odd people and I, I, I kind of raise my hand and say, I'm going to pray God's blessing on you and I close my eyes. And this one guy, I don't remember his name, somehow snuck up behind me, and his support staff allowed it. (laughs) And he came up behind me, and he licked me right up the back of my neck. And I could smell adult diapers and things like that. This is not my world. This is not my world. I liked my little church world, you know, my nice big mega church that I was serving in at the time, and the 800 people there, and it was all nice and comfortable. (laughs) Now I'm being licked. (laughs) And then the staff came up to me. I that's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing that he did that. It's like, yeah, yeah, no, it's not. No, it shows he cares about you. And it's like, that was messy. But God taught me a big old lesson of that I need to see people beyond where they are. I don't know what God's doing in their hearts. I don't know what God's doing in their minds. But God's touching them in a way that I'll never understand. Are you open to serve that way? Can you see beyond what you and I can see and, and start looking for what God might want to do and how we serve in that kind of way? In 11 years of ministry, that was probably one of the greatest things God's ever taught me. To love in the messiness of ministry, right? And see beyond where people are at. And that leads me into the last point. If you want to develop a heart of service, You have to be willing to get messy. You have to be willing to get messy. Serving other people is messy. Washing feet is messy. It doesn't get any messier than that. Jesus was willing to stoop down so that he could bring them up. Right? That's the lesson that he gives to us. And in order to develop a heart of service, you and I need to stoop down in order to pick people up wherever they may be. Again, Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. 
He didn't come just so it could all be about his praise and his adoration. He came to serve us, to love us, to point us to God. Serving, it will be messy. Serving other people will be messy. Even in our church culture, it's a lot messier. One of, I think, one of our, our core values as a church is we, we need to be able to be real with one another. Like, I don't want people going to life group and just studying their Bible and saying, okay, how can I pray for you this week? Well, you know, my Aunt Joan, you know, she's having some surgery this week. Could you please pray for her? That's awesome. We'll pray for Aunt Joan. But how are you doing? You know, because life's messy. And we can walk into church environments, we can put on a Sunday morning mask, we could put on a life group mask, and we could never really share what's going on in our lives. And if we're doing that, that's not service to anybody. One of the things that I had to do in order to get messy was, again, about, oh, when was this? This was about 15 years ago. I started meeting at 5 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning with one other guy. We had created this... Um, um, kind of sexual internet accountability group in a church of our church at that time was hitting close to a thousand. So let's say there might've been about 400 men. Two of us showed up. Now, I know for a fact there were more than two guys struggling with that issue back then. And you know what we did is we prayed and we pushed and it got real messy. But you know what? Me and that other guy, we haven't looked at that stuff in 15 years. When people tell me, oh, I'm always going to have that, that's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie. You can get rid of it if you want to deal with the mess of it. I haven't looked at that stuff in 15 years. Okay? It's for everybody, not just a few. But you've got to get messy. It's hard. And you've got to be real with each other in a way that allows the Spirit of God to transform us, to serve one another, to pick each other up. To be willing to be messy. Our world is messy. Lives are messy. But that's the beauty of the message of Jesus. We as Christians, we don't condemn one another. right? We're not sitting there. We're not supposed to be the group of people who have the loudest protest groups. We're supposed to be the group of people that are loving the most because our God lowered himself for us. <laughs> because God so loved the world, he sent Jesus to die for us. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. So that's the message we bring as we serve one another, as we serve the world in love and humility. We bring that message of hope that the world desperately needs. The big idea, again, is Jesus separates the difference between knowing and doing. Jesus separates the difference between And I want to close and I want to ask you a very simple question this morning. It's not a hard one. It's a simple one. But it's a life-changing one. And the question is this. How is your heart to serve? How is your heart to serve? Is it beating for the cause of Christ and the cause of Jesus? Or is it beating for your recognition, for your fame, for your popularity? Is it beating just so that you can stay safe and comfortable? 
that the ministry of Jesus isn't safe and comfortable. So ask God, Lord, how can I grow and develop this heart for service? Let's pray together.